Hello and welcome to Morbidly Bewitched. If you have chosen my channel, it's because you, like myself, enjoy the darker side of life. And this is exactly what I hope to deliver to you in story format. This episode will be the strange true story of Dr. Carl Tanzler and the real Corpse Bride. I will have a YouTube version of all these episodes under the same name, Morbidly Bewitched, if you want to see for yourself what the people or places look like that I'm describing. But for now, sit back, relax, grab a cup of tea, and I will be your hostess, Leanne. Enjoy. So Dr. Carl Tanzler, or Count Carl von Cassel, was born in Germany on the 8th of February 1877 and grew up to be a well-respected radiology technician. He had a very eventful and colourful life, even becoming at one stage a prisoner of war during World War I. But because this is about the spooky stuff, I'm going to skip forward quite a bit of his life to 1927, when he moved to the gorgeous sunny Florida Key West and started working in the Marina Hospital as a technician. So, just to give you a bit of an idea of Dr. Carl Tanzler, in his years when he moved to Florida, so that you know what he looks like, he was very small. He's, he wasn't a big man by any stretch of the imagination. Probably about 5 foot 6, 5 foot 8, and very fine featured, a small face, white hair, balding on top, and a wee white moustache. Um, but a very small frame. He was not a big man at all. So before we get into the start of his career, jumping back to Carl Tanzler's childhood and throughout his life, he always maintained that he had been plagued by visions of the dead. One being his ancestor, Count S. Anna Cassell, who he reported told and showed him the face of his one true love, an exotic, dark-haired, beautiful woman, a woman of his dreams. Now, because of Dr. Carl Tanzler's upbringing, he would have been slightly better off than most. He had an unusual background in the sense that there were people with status in his family, like the Countess being his aunt. He didn't just have a bog-standard upbringing, which meant, of course, his mind wasn't bog-standard either. As he grew, his way of thinking was slightly more fractured than what would be classed as standard or normal for a young fella of his age. So his outlook on the rest of the world, what he deemed as normal, probably wouldn't be to you or I. Nevertheless, he did what was expected of him. He got married. He had a couple of children. But this marriage broke down, and that is when he moved to Florida. He kept in touch with his wife. I think he kept in touch with his children. But regarding daily standard husband-wife material, that fell apart. Now you've got a rough idea of what the doctor looked like and what his personality would have been. Let's skip forward to when he began his career at the Marina Hospital as the radiology technician because 
his strange and weird outlook on life um, would have been detrimental to one particular lady on April the 22nd, 1930, while at work, one Maria Helena Malegro de Hoyas walked into the hospital with tuberculosis. She was gorgeous. She was 21 years old, Cuban, and Dr. Tanzler spotted her instantly. But he spotted her in even more than just the standard way. It wasn't just being struck by her beauty. He recognised her. She was the woman that came to him in his dreams. She was the woman that his aunt, the Countess, showed him in his dreams. Quite literally, the visions. So, needless to say, you add this on to a slightly fractured mind and it was enough to tip him over the edge. The infatuation with this young woman was instantaneous. Now, Maria was admitted to the hospital with tuberculosis, and tuberculosis back then, at the turn of the century, was a death sentence for most. It did not discriminate. It didn't matter if you were young and fit and healthy, which Maria was. She was only in her early 20s, and a a very robust, young, healthy woman, but it claimed her... um, she did not make any advances towards Dr. Carl Tanzler, but, like I said, his infatuation was instantaneous and he would not accept, no, he he wouldn't accept the fact that she didn't view him in the same way as he viewed her. She did not find him sexually attractive. I mean, he, he just was, put it like this, punching well above his weight. However, that didn't stop him. He showered her with gifts, everything he could. He got her fancy perfumes, he got her lovely clothes while she was in the hospital. He got her different beauty products, everything he could to make her feel important and special. He even used his own money to fund her care. So he wanted to try any kind of unorthodox experiment that was going anything that he could possibly do to try and help save or extend Maria's life to no avail. The young woman did pass away in 1931 and Tanzler wasn't going to let a silly little problem like uh, no pulse get in the way. In fact, Maria's death didn't seem to impact Dr. Carl Tanzler in the standard way. It didn't seem to matter to him that she was no longer breathing. What he did do was again fork out for an extremely lavish funeral because her family were quite poor. And this included embalming. He was extremely specific. He wanted her body very well embalmed. He commissioned an elaborate above-ground mausoleum to be built, one which he only had the key to. Maria's family allowed Tanzler these excessive benefits of a stranger because 
not only did he lavish her with care whenever she was alive, but she then was given the benefit of such a gorgeous send-off in death. She had this beautiful mausoleum that the majority of families couldn't afford. And him having the only key didn't really seem like something to worry about at the time. They also didn't really feel like they could raise too many issues with him because he paid for everything. He visited the tomb every night for three years straight when he decided enough was enough. He claimed that Maria came to him in his dreams, more like nightmares, because what he described was Maria clawing at him in his sleep, pleading with him desperately for him to come and rescue her from the cold, cold crypt, to bring her home, look after her, make her warm, love her. And he decided to act on that. Tansler crept into the cemetery one dark, cold night and stole Maria's body, wheeling it behind him on a toy cart, one of those small red carts you would see children with. Now, as you can imagine, Helena, or Maria, whatever name you want to pick, three years on was not in the best of shape. So, when confined to the privacy of his own four walls, Tansler set to work immediately, reconstructing her. And this is when things get extremely twisted. Maria was quite badly decomposed. And again, this still didn't concern Tansler. He loved her as much that night as he did when he set eyes on her the first day in the hospital. He rejoined her joints with piano wire. With Tansler being in the medical field, it gave him a wealth of knowledge in terms of the human anatomy. So it allowed him to be able to tackle these problems with a certain amount of professionalism. He placed glass eyes, dolls eyes into the sunken sockets of her head. And he fashioned a wig from her own hair which had mostly fell out. He stuffed her torso with rags to pad out her midsection and he patched her rotting flesh with cloth soaked in wax. He changed her outfits daily or once a week. He changed her jewellery regularly so that it would match. He covered her in copious amounts of perfumes and disinfectants to stave off the smell. And he slept with her. She lay in the same bed with him. And he treated her just as any other man would treat a wife. Now, rumours of Tansler and his tendencies and... The likeliness of his mental instability was always a question by the, the general public that lived near him. But claims started to be circulated amongst the people that neighbours had seen through the window at night. Not every night, but some nights. Tansler dancing through his house with what appeared to be an oversized doll. 
This went on for seven years until Helena's sister, Maria's sister, Florinda, was sick of hearing the rumours. The dancing giant doll being seen as the, the final straw so demanded that her sister's tomb be reopened after voicing her concerns to the authorities. The order was granted and of course the tomb was empty. All concerns pointed directly to Tansler. He was ultimately arrested upon the discovery of this macabre eerie site in his home and Helena's body was transported to the coroner for a full examination. And as disturbing and expected as it is, the further revelation of a tube was in place of the vagina. Although no real proof was confirmed of necrophilia, I think in this case it's safe to assume very, very likely. If Tansler was so obsessed with Maria um, slash Helena, then I do believe that that is very probable. Because he was infatuated with her and with that comes lust. It's a sexual attraction. She was the woman of his dreams. But uh, Helena's body uh, was afterwards put on display at the Dean Lopez funeral home where an estimated 6,800 people came for a nosy. She was then handed back to her family for a second and final burial in understandably an unmarked grave. Also because weirdly... Due to the statute of limitations having run out, a massive failing of the courts, Tansler was free to go. He moved to Pasco County, which was still in Florida, where he lived out the rest of his life, still carrying his obsessive love. He crafted a life-sized effigy of Helena, using her death mask as a face. Yes, he had also created a death mask and he must have kept that in storage. Until his own demise on July 1952, aged 75. His body was not found until approximately three weeks after his death, but it was reportedly found lying on the floor of his home in the kitchen clutching onto the life-sized effigy of Helena. So there you have it. Probably the best and creepiest example of true love. I will be releasing um, a new episode every week, hopefully every Friday, so you can join me again for more of these creepy, true, fascinating tales from around the world. Have a great evening and I will see you soon.